<clears throat> I'm wearing insoles now, so I don't need to use that anymore. Um, a pastor is filling in the pulpit for Brother Marshall up in St. Joe, so he asked me to preach tonight, so I'm pretty excited as I haven't gotten to do it in a couple weeks. Um, it's Wednesday, so um, I figured it's the middle of the week. We already experienced a Monday. We've experienced a Tuesday. We've all gone to work. Maybe mom, stay-at-home moms, you dealt. You, you stayed home and dealt with your kids for a couple of days, and undoubtedly, somebody maybe had a bad day. We had a rough day at work this week, or maybe a boss was, was being mean when he shouldn't. So I figured it's Wednesday night. I want to try to be an encouragement. So what better place to be to try to be an encouragement than the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you're turned to your Bibles, the book of Ecclesiastes, now if you don't get it, why some people laugh, it's because Ecclesiastes is not really one of those passages you turn to whenever you want a little word of encouragement. It's one of those passages that, uh, you know, when you know it's coming up in your Bible reading, you're like, okay, here we go. Major depression. Let's do this. So the book of Ecclesiastes, and we'll be reading in chapter number one. Chapter number one. And uh, when you do find it, if you're able to go ahead and stand, if you can go ahead and stand. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and in verse number 1 it says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh. But the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth, and hasteth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south, and turneth unto the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor, man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and the thing which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this chance, Lord, that you've allowed me to preach, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, for your people that are gathered here on a Wednesday night, Lord. We know it's been a busy week for a lot of us, and I just thank you, Lord, for uh, a flock, Lord, who is willing to gather at your house and Lift up their voices together, Lord, and I just pray you uh, loosen my tongue, Lord, and give me the words to say. You're going to pray, amen. You can maybe be seated. I want it to be an encouragement, so we read the book of Ecclesiastes, and I know it's going to be a pretty heavy um, sermon, kind of, you can kind of already kind of tell in reading the passage, so I wanted to uh, read something that Mark Twain uh, wrote. Maybe this will be an encouragement. It says, a myriad of men were born, they labor and sweat and struggle. They squabble and scold and fight. They scramble for little mean advantages over each other. Age creeps upon them. Infirmities follow. Those they love are taken from them, and the joy of life is turned to aching grief. It is the relief that comes at last that the only unpoisoned gift earth have um, ever had for them, and they vanish from a world where they were no con- when they were of no consequence, a world which will lament them a day and forget them forever. Not very uplifting, is it? And really, the, when you read the book of Ecclesiastes for the first time, it's really not uplifting at all. Uh, you kind of get the, the sense that Solomon, which we, we'll get into why we believe he's the writer of this, um, really isn't presenting with us a very encouraging thought. You know, you just got through reading Psalms, 
Pretty uplifting stuff. You just got reading through Proverbs where Solomon talks about how if you, if you, if you search after wisdom, pretty much your life is going to be great. That's what you should be searching for in your life is wisdom, wisdom from the Lord. And then we get to Ecclesiastes, and man, is it different. It's not very uplifting. It's, it, you, you kind of like, if you've read your Bible through before, like I said, you're, you're kind of expecting, man, this is going to be a rough read. This is going to be interesting. So, it says in verse number one, the words of the preacher. So who's our preacher? It's the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And of, 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 all the, of all the sons that David had, Solomon was the only person who ascended to the throne after him. So we, we know it's King Solomon. In fact, uh, in verse 12, it says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. So from that, we can gather that our preacher today, because it says Ecclesiastes or the preacher, in verse 1 he says, the words of the preacher, our preacher for today is King Solomon. And King Solomon has a message for us. He's, he's contemplating something for us in the book of Ecclesiastes. And it's this general theme throughout the whole book. Verse number 2, here we go. He starts off, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. So we have King, we have King Solomon. He, he, he's writing to us something here. He has a message for us. And uh, maybe to catch us all, get us all on the same page, we, we all know about King Solomon. He was a son of David. And we know that uh, at one point in his, in his reign, God came to him and said, uh, ask something of me and I'll give it to you. And Solomon, not chasing after riches at that, at that time, not chasing after power, not chasing after any of that, he asked God for, for what? For wisdom. And God grants him his wish. In fact, Solomon becomes the wisest man to have ever lived. And even at one point, because of his wisdom, because of God's blessing on his life, he becomes even the richest man who's ever lived. And we see that God granted him this, this gift of wisdom. And Solomon started off really well, and sadly, we see towards the end of his life, though, that Solomon didn't end that way. We see that he started chasing after maybe his own personal lust, and he, he had a lot, he had 300 uh, concubines at one point, a, a, a ton, the, the number escapes me, but he had a lot of wives, and uh, along with that, he, he acquired to himself riches and even chariots and horses, which all these things, the book of Exodus, God commanded the king wasn't supposed to do any of these things. Now, just because the Bible records that King Solomon did these things doesn't mean that God approves of it. He's just trying to show us something. So yeah, King Solomon started off really great, but towards the end of his life, we see that sin kind of overtook his life. He got away from the will of God. He stopped following after God. In fact, all these wives that he married, which were from a pagan land, which he wasn't supposed to be involved with, they, 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 they made him chase after false gods, gods that were not the God of Israel. And we see that God kind of took his hand of blessing off of Solomon. And at one point in scripture, he tells Solomon, Solomon, I'm taking the kingdom away from you. It won't be in this generation, but I'm taking it away from your kids, from your kids hands. Because, because Solomon allowed these things into his life, the, the sin into his life, and it, 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 it took him away from God. He started chasing after these false gods, and really the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, became just as any other God to him. Remember, Solomon had built the temple for the Lord, and by the end of his life, maybe you could say that the, the God that Solomon built this temple for was just one of his other gods that he would worship on a daily basis. Solomon got away from God. So we see that that Solomon started off good, but he didn't end that way. And then we get to the, to the book of Ecclesiastes, and many believe that he wrote this towards the end of his life, and there's many things throughout the book that, that hint towards that, because it kind of gives hints as to him already experiencing all these sorts of things that the world has to offer, and he lists a lot of these things. But it's, it's a sad account. It's almost depressing, you could say. It's not very encouraging. And, and, and the first thing we see in verse 2 is he says, um, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, 
vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And he, used the, he uses the word vanity, he uses the word vanity 38 times in this book. Now, what does vanity mean? Well, the, the Hebrew word vanity, it's hevel. And this means emptiness, futility, or this, vapor, nothingness. And, and in Hebrew writing, you have to understand that they would, you know how we use an exclamation mark in, in, in our English language? As, like, this is powerful, this is important, pay attention to this. Hebrew writing would do something a little different. What they would do is they would either use one, they would use something called repetition, and they'd say it twice so that you really get the idea of what's going on, or they would do this, this blank of blank. There's, there's, a, there's a song called Song of Songs. That means this is the greatest song. And here he's saying, this vanity is the vanity of vanities. And he repeats himself a couple times in the, in the chapter as well. So here we go. This preacher has a message for us, but it's not encouraging. He says, all is vanity. Pretty much everything we see around us, it's all nothingness. It's not just nothingness. It's not all just meaningless. It's not just pointless. It's meaningless of meaningless. It's the zero of zero. It is so pointless that the pointless of pointless is pointless. It's all vanity. It's all for nothing. Everything around us, pointless, useless, vain, vanity. It's vanity of vanity. Man, he's off to a great start. I'm encouraged. Verse 3 says, What profit hath a man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? All, all this work that you do throughout your life, all, all, all this stuff that you labor in as a man, when you, when you, when you do work under the sun, when, as you're traveling through life, what profit does this all bring? It's all vain. It's all for nothing. It's pointless. And that's the title of my message tonight is, Life is Pointless. Life is Meaningless. It's nothing. It's but a vapor. And that's what he's telling us here. Everything you do in this life, everything you do traveling to this journey of life, guess what? It's utterly useless. It's utterly pointless. It's vanity of vanity. And he goes on here. He makes another observation. He says, One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. And he kind of goes into a little, a, little, a little thing here of describing just kind of how the world works. And he's saying this. You know what? Generation after generation after generation passes. Our great-granddad and his family passed away, and then our great-grandpa and his family passed away. Then our grandparents are going to pass away. One day we're going to pass away, but you know what? The world doesn't care about that because we're not making anything we're not doing anything to change the, the, the laws of nature, to change the, the, the cycle of life, you could say. You know what? Generation after generation is going to come and pass away. But you know what? It's pointless because the earth is still going to rise in the same place. It's still going to set in the same place. The ocean is still going to work the same. The wind is still going to be the same. Earth doesn't care that the generations are passing, coming and going, coming and going. So don't only start with saying everything you do in this life is pointless and the generations that come and go, they're not affecting anything in this world. It's pointless. It's useless. The earth doesn't care. The earth keeps on going on as if nothing ever happened. Verse 9 and verse 8 says, All things are full of labor. Labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And the thing which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. That was really cool because it rhymed. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It hath been already of old time, which was before us. He's saying there is, you know what? This is where we get that phrase from. There's nothing new under the sun. He's saying, whenever you come up with saying, I came up with something new. I found something new. He says, useless, pointless. That's been around for a long time. 
people knew about that already. And, and he, he even goes on to say in the next couple of verses, there's, is there anything whereof it may be said? See, this is new. It has been already of old time, which was before us. There is no new remembrance of former things. Neither shall be there any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. Man, and it took me a while to sit down and really try and focus on what he's saying to make sense of this. But he starts off with saying, everything you do in this world, guess what? Pointless. All your generations, the, the, the great legends of your, of, of your family history that you look up to, guess what? Pointless, because the world just keeps on going on without him. It'll go keep on going on without you. And he goes on to say this, there's nothing new under the sun, nothing new we can come up with has never been thought of before. Even so, that even the past and the future is not free from this vanity of vanity. Nothing in the past matters, nothing that's going to happen matters. It's all vain. It's all for nothing. He's trying to make an important case here that, and he's kind of convincing, isn't he? That you know what? Everything's kind of meaningless. It's pointless. It's useless. Vanity of vanity. It's like a vapor. Verse 12. I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all the things that are done under heaven. He says, I, the preacher, wait a minute. Everything is vain, and I understand that everything is pointless. But you know what? Me, the preacher of Jerusalem, I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom. He says, I am going to use my wisdom, my knowledge that I've accumulated, and I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to investigate this. I'm going to see, is there really no point to life? Is it really vanity of vanity? And if anybody was more qualified to do this, it'd be Solomon, don't you think? He was the wisest man who's ever lived. He was incredibly smart. He had unlimited resources because he was the richest at this time. If anybody had, was qualified to search out what is the meaning of life, it'd be this guy. He'd figure it out. And he says, with my knowledge and my wisdom, and maybe he even thought my resources, I'm going to search this out. I know right now it may seem like everything I do is pointless. It's vain. It doesn't matter for anything. But I'm going to figure this out. There has to be a reason for something. There has to be a reason for existence. And he says uh, in verse 13, continuing there, he says, And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under the heaven. The sore, this sore travail, talking about life, hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therein. Verse 14, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Oh man, his research didn't go so well. He didn't figure it out, I guess. Verse 15 says, that which is crooked cannot be made straight. Or he's saying that which is wrong can't be fixed. He's saying, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. Everything we're missing to make things right, we can't even number how much we're missing. It's so much that we're missing. I command with, thy, I command with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate, and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this is also vexation of spirit. And that phrase there, vexation of spirit, carries this idea of, of you're, just, you're, just, you're just chasing after something, and it's just out of grasp. And, and it's just chasing after that vapor. You're just chasing after nothing. He said, it can't be this. There has to be a point to all of this. It can't really just be vanity of vanity. All, everything I do, everything I work for, it can't be pointless. And as he sat down to try and consider it with his mind, with his knowledge, with his wisdom, he said, it's like chasing after vapor. It really is pointless. There's nothing. It's meaningless. Verse 18 says, For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. He says there, the more you realize, the, the more you investigate this thing, the more you investigate as to 
What's the purpose of life? What's, what's the reason for living? What's the reason for doing everything we do? The more you realize it's pointless and it's meaningless. And the more clear it becomes to you that life is pointless and meaningless. That's a pretty depressing chapter. He opened up pretty depressing like. And you know what? For the next couple chapters, in fact, though chapter 12, it's going to keep on getting the same way. In fact, he takes down every single aspect of human life, you could say, and he, he talks about wealth and work. He even talks about, about uh, the essential pleasures, and he, and he talks about all these things, and he says, he breaks them down in the, in, the, in the following chapters, and he breaks each one down and says, pointless, futile, meaningless, every single one of these things, useless. And it's not until chapter 12 that we see why he even wrote this message. So it starts off, pretty rough, and it goes pretty rough. I'm not going to turn to chapter 12 just yet. If we go back to verse 13, I think we see a hint as to what he was even trying to say in chapter 1. Verse 12 says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, verse 13 in chapter 1, and I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all the things that are done under heaven. Here's the thing, and, and, and I, I think here's maybe a truth we can learn from this, is this. Solomon wasn't trying to figure out the purpose of life with the wisdom God gave him. He says, and I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom. That wisdom right there isn't referring to the wisdom God gave him, heavenly wisdom. No, what Solomon was doing was trying to figure out what the point of his life was through what? His earthly wisdom. And you could say this. Uh, I want to point something else as well out as well. <clears throat> In verse uh, number uh, nine says, the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is done which shall be done. Okay. And there is no new thing under the sun. And that phrase right there, under the sun, he uses a lot more to the book of Ecclesiastes. So we have a hint there. It says, he uses that phrase, new thing under the sun. And verse 13, he says, I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom. What we see here is Solomon not searching out for the, for the meaning of life through, through God's wisdom, through heavenly wisdom, what he's doing here is he's searching it out through what? Through an earthly lens. He's looking at life. He's trying to find his purpose of life through what? An earthly viewpoint. He's trying to search it out with his human wisdom. He's trying to search it out with his earthly wisdom. And he's, he's trying to do all these things without what? Without looking at it the way that God views it. Without looking at life the way God sees it. Without even looking at life from what God wants from us. What Solomon was doing was saying this. It's all pointless. Your life is meaningless. Everything you do is absolutely useless if you look at it from an earthly lens. And that's what he was doing in this first chapter. In fact, for the next several chapters, he breaks each one of those sections down, like I said. And each one of those times, he looks at it through an earthly lens. And it's not until chapter 6 that we kind of get a glimpse of him looking at it the way that God wants to see it. And it's not until chapter 12 that we finally see him say what? That we have to view it that, the way that God views it. You see, your life is pointless, is meaningless, is useless. It means nothing if you view your life through an earthly lens, if you view it through earthly wisdom, through human wisdom. But it's not until you start viewing it through the lens of God that you start seeing what life is about, why God created you, why God has you in the place you are. And I think many times, if, if you look at culture, that, that's where everybody is, right? 
Uh, we, 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 saw, we read a verse how, how nothing you see with your eyes ever satisfies, and never, nothing you see with your ears ever satisfies. And, and isn't that culture nowadays? Everybody's chasing after the next new thing because what? They're bored with what they have. And that's, oh man, iPhone. I'm an iPhone user and, and I love iPhone, but it's the same thing year after year, is it not? They just add more cameras on the back. And you know why we buy them? Because we get bored with the old things we have. And guess what? We're not going to be satisfied because we might preach against them all we want, but we're going to be there to get the next new iPhone because it has an extra camera on the back. Because we're never satisfied with what we have. What we see, any new thing we see never satisfies us. Any new thing we listen to, we hear, doesn't satisfy us. That's our human nature. And many are going through this world lost, unsaved, and all they're going by, all they can go by, is earthly wisdom. And all they can go by is life coaches on YouTube telling them, you know what will make you satisfied in life? You start a little small business. Join this pyramid scheme, make a lot of money, and you know what? You'll find satisfaction in life. You know what a lot of people, the only knowledge they have, the only wisdom that they can view life through, the only way they can find their satisfaction is, is by chasing after money or success or, or maybe this. Maybe there's a lot of, of, of young men who the only, the only satisfaction that they think they can gain is by... Uh, is by, is by uh, conquering as many young women as they can. Maybe even a husband who becomes unsatisfied with his life and he says, the only satisfaction I can have in life, the only purpose is to go from woman to woman to woman. And then there's, there's these things, there's this, this earthly wisdom that is convincing all the lost people in the world to, to look for their satisfaction, for their purpose, and everything but what God wants them to find their satisfaction and purpose in. But they can't look for it in, in heavenly wisdom because they don't have that heavenly wisdom. They're not saved. But praise the Lord, once you're saved, guess what? God gives you a purpose, and he gives your life meaning. And you can be, and reading his word, you start viewing life the way that God wants you to view life. And guess what? When you view life, when you view your life and everything you do from the, from the time you wake up to the morning you lay down, the way that God views it, man, it is full of meaning. And it's not vanity of vanity. And it's not like chasing after the vapor that you can never, you can never catch. It's full of, it's full of fulfillment. And, and, and you feel satisfied and you feel full in what God wants from you. That's, that's how we're supposed to be viewing life. Because if you view life through any other lens other than God's lens, other than a heavenly lens, guess what? Your life is useless, pointless, meaningless. And the sad truth is that there's many who give their lives to suicide because what? They've fallen for the lie that life is useless and pointless. And I know I just said, I, I just said that, but the reason, they, the reason they, 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 they give into suicide to the life from Satan is because they don't have the wisdom that we have. The, the, the wisdom that, you know what? Your life isn't actually pointless or meaningless because you should view it the way that God views it. He has a purpose for you. He has fulfillment for you. And maybe there's some in this room who are lost and, and you just can't seem to get out of the dumps and every, every relationship is going wrong, and work isn't going good, and you just sit there, and you're alone in your room, in the dark room, and, and you're sad, and you're hurting, in your heart, and you've maybe just lost somebody, and you say, uh, you, you're, you, you, you've never come to a point where you ask Christ to save you, and you say, life is pointless. It's useless. It's meaningless. Let me tell you, if you're sitting here, and you've never asked Christ to save you from your sins, oh man, it's not over yet, because you know what? You can find fulfillment in your life. You can find purpose. And yeah, Satan might be telling you, your life is useless, meaningless. Take your own life. I beg you, don't listen to him because God is saying, view your life the way I view it. I have so much planned for you. I can give you fulfillment. I can give you purpose in life. It doesn't have to mean nothing. And you can make that decision tonight. And then there's those who are saved. And we have the wisdom from the word of God that tells us what? 
that God has a purpose for us and that life isn't actually meaningless and life isn't actually pointless. And if we view it from the lens that God views it from, our life is full of purpose. And yet why is it so many times that the idea from the world using that, that earthly wisdom to, to, to search for fulfillment and, and purpose in life has crept into so many churches? This message started off as an idea for me to preach to the teenagers because I think it's a, very, um, it's, a very, it's a very fitting message for them because, man, who else to hear it from than Solomon? I wanna, I'm going to hop off on this hobby course for a little, this rabbit trail, but do we realize who's writing this, this passage? King Solomon, who was the richest man who's ever lived? King Solomon, who had all the earth, who was the wisest man who's ever lived? King Solomon had anything at his disposal. And you know what? He started off right with God, but later in life, he chased after pleasures, sexual pleasures. He had all the money he wanted. He worshipped all these false gods. Here was a man who experienced both sides of life. You could say he experienced life in God's will and out of God's will. And here he is later in life saying this, life is pointless. And, and, and this message started out as an idea to preach to teenagers to, 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 to tell them what? That it, coming from a man who's experienced sin, who's experienced all this sin in his life and has given in to these lusts, he says it's not worth it. But then I got to thinking, when Solomon wrote this, when Solomon fell for this lie, when he started chasing after these women, after these false idols, he wasn't a teenager anymore. No, he was an adult. And this can be applicable to every single one of us because without realizing what happens is we forget to look at our life through the lens that God has views it from and we start viewing it through what? Earthly wisdom. The earthly lens. And you say, what do you mean? We know God has a purpose for us and yet so many Christians only show up to church whenever there isn't family things or sports events or, or job things going on. Because why? Because it's earthly wisdom and I'm finding my fulfillment in my job. Or there's, there's so many Christians who, who, even though they're sitting in pews every single time the church doors are open, they're living in sin, chasing after other women or after any other men because they're finding their fulfillment in everything else other than what God has for them. And, and there's so many Christians who are giving into this mentality that, you know what? I know God's given me, I know how God wants me to view my life and I know how to find fulfillment, but I'm going ch to chase after it the way the world does. I'm going to use earthly wisdom to, to chase after my fulfillment. And shame on us because we know we know what God wants from us, and we know how sweet and fulfilling that life can be because he tells us in his word, and for a while, some of us have experienced it. And yet so many Christians sit in a pew every Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday night, and yet the rest of the week, what are they doing? They're using their earthly wisdom to find fulfillment in their life. And what does that end up doing? It makes their life meaningless. They'll never be fulfilled. They'll never be satisfied. And we see it in the world, don't we? We see it in Christian lives. At first, you start off trying to find your fulfillment in what? Good things. Gift to charities. I'll be there and help. Or maybe try and save the planet. I'm going to help the old lady across the street. I'm going to do as much good as I can. And guess what? It doesn't fulfill you. So what's next? Well, maybe that sin will fulfill me. Maybe that sin will satisfy me. Maybe that will be the next step. And maybe I can find my fulfillment there. And we're just viewing our life through an earthly lens the way Solomon tried to figure out what the purpose of his life was. And so many times it's going to lead us down the same exact path. We're going to end up at the same exact place, which is what? It's all pointless. It's all meaningless. So I tell you this as a reminder, and we all know this. We've all heard of this, right? Life is pointless. You, you have to, God is the one that gives you fulfillment. Follow after God and he'll make you fulfilled. But so many times I think we forget. And we start, we start chasing after fulfillment in our lives the way the world does, through earthly wisdom. And sometimes as a, as, a, as a church family, we just need a simple reminder. 
then unless we're, we're, we're viewing our life and chasing after fulfillment the way God wants us to, it's going to be pointless and meaningless. It'll be vanity of vanities. And we're going to end up at the same spot every single time unless what? We realize that God views our life way different than the way that we earthly or, or the world can view our life. And when you start chasing after that, man, it's fulfilling. Man, it's satisfying. Man, that's your purpose. So yeah, it starts off kind of depressing. And maybe the Lord will allow me to keep on maybe preaching this in a couple of weeks when I pick up Sundays again. Still praying about that. See, see if he does that. But if he does, uh, King Solomon gets into some very, very detailed things. He deals with every single subject, how each one always ends up in the same place. And I'm excited. Maybe one day we'll get to chapter 12 where he says, this is exactly how God views your life. This is how, this is how he sees you. And this is how you find purpose in your life. Well, you know what? We all know this already. You've heard it preached. If you want to find fulfillment in your life, if you don't want to get to the end of your life and say, it was all pointless, then view it the way that God does. And, and, and try to chase after what he has for you. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day of life you've given us, Lord, and thank you for uh, the truth we find in your word. And although it can be challenging and upfront and maybe hard to bear with sometimes, Lord, thank you for the, the truth that you give us and I just pray, Lord, that every single person in this room, Lord, every single one of your children, that you remind us that you have so much planned for us and that if we are to be fulfilled in this life, we need to chase after what you have for us and not what we think is good for us. I just thank you, Lord, for the church family, Lord, and I pray uh, you be with the prayer requests and the rest of the night. Be with Pastor as he's in St. Joe. And we pray, amen. Amen, Benson.